Welcome to another episode of the fifth quarter conversations beyond the X's and O's. Uh, Layson Perkins here, uh, along with Jeff Osterman. And uh, this episode, we have a, our first guest uh, joining us, uh, Todd Morgan. Todd is the principal and athletic director at Jones Senior High School here in North Carolina. Uh, full disclosure, uh, I, have, I had the opportunity to, uh, to spend four years uh, with Todd as an assistant coach uh, at Chapel Hill High School. And uh, I've known Todd since 1996. So we our, our friendship goes way back. And um, one of the reasons why I, I asked Todd to be on this episode tonight is that Todd brings a very unique perspective to the topic of loyalty. He has been a head coach. He's been an assistant coach. He's worked at the college level. He has been an AD, still an AD, and now he's a principal. So, you know, I, I thought that this would be able to, we would be able to have a, a dialogue with Todd about loyalty and, and some of the things that he's experienced along the way in his journey. So Todd, thank you so much for uh, taking your time out of your schedule to be a part of this. Well, thank you, Coach P. Coach, uh, I always, Layson is uh, Coach P to me, and he has been for a long time. And uh, But thank you for having me, you and Jeff. This is awesome. Uh, I, I learn a lot from your episode, your, your podcast, and uh, just uh, honored to be a part of, you, part of it tonight with you guys. That's great. Todd, I'm going to delve into a little loyalty and um, I'm going to start by throwing out as an assistant coach being loyal to the head coach. So let's have you put on your head coach hat for a second. And how do you handle maybe going from your opening staff meetings of addressing, how would you handle your staff meetings with loyalty? Right. Sure. That's a great question, Jeff. And certainly, you know, the big thing, and, and like uh, Layson said, we were together at Chapel Hill for uh, several years and had a, had a great program there. And uh, the thing that was huge about it was our staff was consistent. And uh, we, you know, had, we had the same group of coaches throughout that, that uh, entire run there. And, and we had a few new faces join us from time from, you know, through the years, but uh, we had a lot of continuity there. And uh, I felt like the loyalty piece was certainly a big part of it. You know, you've had to feel good about um, there's a big, big difference. Those six inches from being that assistant coach to being that head coach that everybody says, you know, it's a, that's a huge difference. And uh, you've got to have confidence as a head coach of those assistant coaches that they, uh, they have your back. They're trying to do what's in the best interest of the program. Um, they're certainly being loyal to the kids and the, and the program and, and the head coach. And we always said in our meetings, we talk and say, look, we, we want the best mousetrap. And so I want I want I don't want a bunch of yes men on our staff. If we're going to have a bunch of yes men, then I just might as well make all the decisions myself anyway. And I don't really, you're not really being a much help to me. So I need folks who have different ideas. And um, and so because I don't have all the answers, that's for sure. And. But when, but regardless, when we have those conversations, it may be Layson's idea, it may have been my idea, it may have been Gus's idea or Vic's idea. But uh, when we came out of that room, it was going to be a united front. What we what we showed to the players, what we showed to the parents, uh, what we presented to them, we were on the same page and we had to support each other. And ultimately, the head coach has to say, "Hey, this is the way we're going to go. Uh, I like your opinion, I like your idea." But you know, and I always said one of the things I always would talk to them about. Was like input is important. I want all. I want input from all of our stakeholders, uh, and I say that now as a principal. You know, I've said that as an athletic director. But at the end, of the end of the day, input does not equate decision. At the end of the day, the head coach has to make a decision. The head, the athletic director has to make a decision. The principal has to make a decision. 
uh, and they have to make the decision they feel like is at the best interest of the program at the time. So um, it, it put a big put a big stake on, you know, it, loyalty is so important to having a, a, a high quality program, a successful program at any level, whether it's high school level, college level, uh, you know, and I'm finding that obviously to carry over uh, into administration now at the high school level. Have you ever had the situation of, you know, sometimes assistants, they'll break them down into guard posts, different things. And uh, sometimes they soften the blow after the head coach unloads on a player about a game or a poor decision. But then after a game, the relationships sometimes through parents, and we'll delve into that word a little bit more later, that, you know, there's been instances where assistants, they'll talk to a parent, they'll tweet or put something out on social media. Any of that ever happen? And how'd you deal with it if it did? Yeah, you know, I think that you can definitely the good cop, bad cop has has been a part of, uh, you know, as the as the head coach, uh, a lot of times, I'll be honest, I was the heavy. And sometimes the, the assistant coaches had to go along behind me and and uh, be, you know, Uncle Vic and, and kind of pick them up or Uncle Gus and kind of pick them up a little bit after I'd probably uh, chopped them down a little bit. But, you know, it's it's tough love is still love. You know, it's coming from a good place and you want you know that the kid can handle it or you feel like he can and uh, or she can and you and you you know that you it's you're doing it from the standpoint of doing what's in their best interest you want to make them as good as you can make them and sometimes you got to push them through uh that comfort zone and get them out of that so they can really grow and and become their best that they can be so so certainly i think that the coach's role as an assistant coach when i was assistant coach i had to go behind the head coach sometimes and uh pick the pick the player back up and sometimes i've had assistant coaches have had to do that behind me as a head coach you know I think social media definitely is a challenge for all of us in so many different ways. It's a positive. You can constantly stay in tune with what's going on and you can get the message out and you can, uh, to some degree, try to control the narrative a little bit or at least dictate that. Um, but I think it's one of those things where you've got to make sure your, your assistant coaches are on the same page. You've got to have those conversations about how we're going to present things. You have to have uh, kind of a flow in terms of our communication and how it's going to go down. And, and I find that as a principal, you know, when we get information from the superintendent, then I have to share it out. You know, I share it to my assistant principal, our leadership team, our staff, and then and then it goes out to our parents. And so we have to have a, ch- a chain there that we kind of uh, have a flow because if we, if we don't establish those protocols, then you can kind of have too many, too many, uh, chiefs and not enough Indians if you aren't careful and you have too much information going out and it may not, be exactly on the same page and then it seems like it's misinformation and uh, that can always hurt a program Uh, and i think that sometimes will happen young assistant coaches they're they're really good with the social media piece but i think the thing there too um if they aren't careful and they aren't you know kind of experienced with it the parents can kind of trap them into constantly sharing information back and forth and creating uh, maybe too much information is being shared and maybe that that creates some problems there uh, for the head coach and dealing with that same parent later on about another issue. So uh, I think having those those clear protocols is really important. Todd, when you were when you were AD at Chapel Hill, I think it was what 70 percent of the coaches at the school 
were not on campus. They, they were off campus, either worked at another job, but would come to campus and, and coach. You know, now, you know, I was fortunate because I was in the building. So you and I are talking every day, but then the rest of the staff, they show up at, at 3.50, 4 o'clock, you know, and then we're right on right out on the floor. So how do you build relationships in those situations with those coaches who are not there every day and still be able to kind of, you know, paint your vision of, of how you want the program to run and then also with the other sports, you know, and working with those coaches. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I've been a lot of different places and that's one of the, the nice things, I guess you have a different lens cause you've been, uh, I guess I've been from one a size schools to four a size schools. And, uh, and I've been in some four a school like Newburn high school where probably 70%, 80% of our coaches were faculty members at the time, you know, and I saw how that could work with uh, really every everybody kind of supporting the kids and cheering them on and seeing them throughout the day and good luck in your game and uh, and it really working as a family. Uh, and then when we were at Chapel Hill, obviously it was a flip because it was more of a uh, there were a lot of sports that we offered that were uh, aligned with what the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill had. And so some of those sports, we don't necessarily have uh, teachers in the building who have expertise in some of those sports to be the head coach. And so uh, we were fortunate to have some great coaches that were non-faculty coaches, but then, uh, but it was a, a larger percentage of our coaches were non-faculty coaches at that time. And I felt like the challenge with that becomes silo uh, programs or island programs where, yeah, I work my job. And then when I get off work, I come for my practice for my team. And the only time I'm really at the school or associated with the school and the kids is just my program and my games and my practices. So we had to um, try to really be, I think, intentional about how we address that with our faculty and staff or our, our coaching staff. We would have our meetings and we'd make sure that everybody was there. We would hold those on Saturdays if we had to or or in the evenings if we had to, to make sure that we could have everybody present because you don't want to have a meeting and, and, and over half of your your folks can't be there because they're working their full-time jobs. So we had to kind of understand that and be intentional about how we planned and worked around that. Then the other thing that we did is we created kind of within that uh, supporting each other, you know, tigers supporting tigers. And uh, with that, we, we created kind of outreach programs like our tiger buddies where the kids and the coaches would go and support the elementary schools and the middle schools. And um, and you do those kind of things and you tie in different sports together. So you have some faculty coaches, some non-faculty coaches, teams, and you mix them up. So they're kind of working together and building some of those relationships. Uh, and then we did that through our through our uh, same thing, through our concession stand program, where we had different sports working concession stands for different events, uh, other teams. And so that now I've, I'm my, my basketball team is at a soccer game, is at a lacrosse game, is at a football game. And so we're getting to support those kids and build a little more uh, synergy there. And, and our non-faculty coaches are kind of, hey, I'm part of this too. I'm working the concession center at the soccer game, though that's not my sport, or the football game, though that's not my sport. So I think you have to be intentional about building those relationships. And uh, because if, if not, yeah, with so many non-faculty coaches, it can be very easy for them to just kind of focus on their sport and not really be as invested in the full program in the school uh, community as you would want them to be. Uh, there's so many <clears throat> valuable points in that. It's, that's great. Uh, I love the interaction with other sports, and, and we'll come back to that uh, in a little bit. But I, I want to play a little role play here, Todd. You're going to be the head coach 
I'm going to be the annoying parent. Layson's going to be maybe a little disloyal assistant. Not that that would happen. Okay. But uh, game was close last night. And um, against East High, their best player, who was the only one hitting threes, fouled out. And uh, you wanted to stay man. Layson thought you should have gone zone. So yeah. after the game, I'm the parent, and I go to Coach P. Uh, Coach P, you know, tough loss, but I heard you say in the huddle that you should have gone zone. I agree. Jimmy fouled out Coach P. You know, why didn't why didn't Todd go zone? <laughs> and I'm and I I would and I would answer if I was doing it wrong. I'm just like, well, I don't know why. I just know if I were the head coach, I would have I would have gone zone in that situation. But I don't know. I mean, you know, coach, he, coach doesn't really talk to talk to me about those things. That's the yeah. So Todd, that gets yeah. that gets back to you Monday morning that yeah. someone overheard Coach P and a parent, and he just answered that question. How do you address him once that information is verified and it's true? How do you right. handle that disloyalty? Yeah, well, certainly once you find out and you've you verified it, and you would, you know, have to call coach. I'd have to call Coach P in, and we'd have to have a conversation. Probably knowing us, we would go to lunch that day together, you know, and that conversation would be had somewhere uh, away from campus, almost even. But if we were going to have it, it, might, it would, if it had to be on campus, it would be a private conversation in a in a closed door session in my office, you know. And I know this is a role play because obviously I'm almost laughing as I hear it because I can think back of situations might have been similar. That Coach P was uh, completely loyal, you know, and um, but but yeah, in that situation, I, I think it's again you've got to build that trust and that relationship with that the coaching staff, and that's so important. And so, as the head coach, you're going to have to pull that assistant coach in. You're going to have to have that conversation. Hey, look, I know that parent may have caught you in a bad moment. You may and you and you know and and yeah, you may have truly felt like that we needed to go zone in that situation. But I, you know me, I'm a man-to-man guy. I'm going to stick to my principles, you know, and um, we've been successful playing the way we play. Uh, and, and I think those are conversations you'd have to have and, and, and have to say, you have to understand that as we've said before, as you know, in our, in our meetings, we're going to have to have a united front. We're going to have to have these conversations and you were not always going to agree. And I'm not always going to go with your idea uh, but there are going to be times when I go with your idea, you know, and, um, and, and then at the same time, you also as a head coach have to say, Hey, look, I may have kicked that one. You know, maybe I should have listened to you in the huddle. If you were saying two, three zone, and then now I look back at the film and I see, gosh, they were just killing us. We, you know, maybe we should have gone zone. Maybe coach P was on to something there. Yeah. Yeah. As a coach, you have to be honest about that too, as you're reflective in your practice and, and looking at it, but that would be after game film and, 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 uh, session and some things like that where we broke it down and kind of and kind of looked at it. It, it but certainly I would expect him to be loyal with that parent at that moment you know and I think we would make sure that that was uh, addressed and that, that expectation was very clear going forward. Layson maybe give the answer you should have given to when the parent walking off the court comes to you and says coach Perkins I heard you say go zone why didn't Coach Morgan listen to you? We could have won this game. I probably would say, hey, I got to get over to the fifth quarter here. You know, we're, we're meeting in at 10 minutes. I don't have time to talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
that would always be an out. You know, it was interesting, Jeff. We had, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, exactly. I won't say it was at Chapel Hill and it, I, won't, I would never name any names, but we had, we had one, one of the places I was, I'll just say this, one of the, one of the schools and stops along the way, I was the athletic director and the basketball coach. I've, I've done that several places. And uh, I remember after one, and I don't think it was with Coach P, but uh, so it wasn't at Chapel Hill. But I had a parent come up after the game and was upset. And and we always address it too, Jeff, early on at the parents' meeting. We always tell them there are things that we will not discuss. We have a 24-hour period after a game, and, and we'll schedule a meeting. And we'll talk to you about anything, open-door policy. But we don't discuss uh, – Playing time, playing time's earned in practice, and we as the coaches are at practice every day evaluating. We feel like we're going to put the best players on the floor who've earned the right to play those minutes. Uh, we don't talk about X's and O's. We feel like we are hired to do this job, and we train and study. And, uh, you know, I don't mean it derogatory, but if you wanted to be the coach, then you should have probably applied for the job, right? And, uh, and the other thing is we say we don't talk about somebody else's uh, – somebody else's son or daughter you know we don't talk about somebody else's kid if you want to talk about something dealing with your your son or daughter we'll be glad to talk to you but we're not going to bring somebody else's into it but but i've, I've had situations where all those have been addressed after a game you know a parent comes up and wants to talk to me about playing time or wants to talk to me why you know so and so is playing ahead of their son or why i don't run a play for them you know or whatever so we've had to address those through the years but i think the funniest one i, I had a, a coach uh, i mean a parent who didn't realize i was the athletic director at the time and he came up to me and wanted to talk to me about uh something i said we don't we don't talk right after the game we have a 24-hour policy if you want to schedule an appointment we can schedule one for tomorrow the next day and i'll be glad to talk to you and he was hot and he said well i'm i'm not satisfied with that where's the athletic director I'm, i want to see the athletic director i said you want to see the athletic director and he said yeah i said well i just want you to know I, the athletic director is pretty fond of me so um and, and <laughs> kind of stood there for a minute and he he said, you are the athletic director, aren't you? I said, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we could talk about that too. But <laughs> but um, but we scheduled a meeting and talked uh, the next day. So uh, I think a 24-hour cooling off period is good for everybody involved. You know, cooler heads prevail. Most of the time, the parent won't be quite as upset the next day as they would have been that night. And uh, I think I've only had one or two situations where they came back in the next day, maybe – as mad or maybe mad, even more mad because they had talked to more people, I guess, by the end. So, uh, but That's yeah, and, and we never had any situations at Chapel Hill. Layson was always a, a very loyal uh, coach. And, and truthfully, Jeff, if Layson made it a suggestion, I said, well, yeah, that's probably what we need to do. So let's go with it, you know. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, there was one time I did get I did get a technical for calling a play, but that's another that's another story in, in itself. But uh, but no, I, you know, Jeff, what what you know, we talked about the other day, which I think is is very crucial for an assistant coach, is uh, like I said, it's being that left tackle and keeping the quarterback's jersey clean, and that was the approach that I always took with Todd was that my job was to protect him and to make sure that I put out as many fires as possible before they got there. And I think the other thing too is just you know, not having anything to prove. I didn't have anything to prove as an assistant coach. You know, I knew I just focused on doing my job, making Todd look good, things that take care of itself. And I think that when you go in with that mindset as a coach, you know, karma is going to take care of you versus you having to prove yourself and trying to one up, you know, the rest of the guys on your staff. So, you know, and, and Todd did a great job of that because he kind of laid it out up front. This is how this is, you know, these are the boundaries. This is how we're going to deal with stuff. 
uh, we won't go further than that. Now, some of the other assistant coaches, you know, they'd have their, you know, I, I can think of one game at East Chapel Hill where we lost on a last second shot. And one of the staff guys was going, you know, complaining about we should have done this instead. And I turned to him, I said, we had we had the the fifth worth the fifth player on their team who only scored two points the entire game. We let him shoot the ball. He made the shot. I'm like, we played the percentages. I'm like, what else can we do in that situation? But you know, again, that's just how how it rolls sometimes. Yeah, that's right. No, I think Todd handles it great. I love the 24-hour rule. The meetings early with your staff, you address things on how things are going to operate. The other one on the 24-hour rule is sometimes I've heard when a parent wants to meet with the coach, they bring in the player. Right. So now yeah. there, there's no miscommunication between what mommy and daddy are saying and Johnny sitting here because they may not know Johnny's work ethic and practice that he was late. You know, Johnny forgot to tell him he was late for practice because, you know, he had detention or different things. And, um, right. right. You know, yeah. another one for you, Coach, is so you're the principal, and obviously you have wealth of basketball knowledge. You're in the cafeteria, and young assistant, you know, who's ready to show pretty good, that right. same scenario. And if the principal asked an assistant coach, hey, do you think uh, the head coach, you think he should have gone zone last night? What <laughs> advice would you give to a young assistant who's trying to make his way up, the principal who knows basketball very, very well, former coach, puts right. you on the spot? What advice would you give to that young assistant on answering the principal? Yeah, sure. And I, and I think in that situation, the principal is almost testing his loyalty. You know, he's trying to see how loyal is this guy? Because I don't really know this assistant coach that well necessarily. And then so. Um, so, yeah, I think the advice there is let's make sure we are uh, sticking in, you know, sticking with the coach, the head coach and uh, and, and um, being loyal. there. certainly um, leaning on his expertise. I'm still learning. I'm the assistant coach. My job is to support. Uh, and I'm learning, you know, and uh, and I'm very and he's got to be loyal to the head coach, obviously. And I think that's yeah, that's a test. So did you pass the test? Because the principal's probably going to go right back to the head coach and say, look, I just had a conversation at lunch and uh, I don't know how loyal your guy is here. You know, he threw you under the bus. <laughs> so so uh, I think you, you know, that's that's what he's wanting you assistant coaches be careful, you know, because they're all different angles where people are trying to trap you a little bit and catch you uh, not quite being as loyal as you should be to the head coach. You can never go wrong if you're loyal. That's right. That's right. Todd, was there ever, is there ever a situation where you an assistant coach should go over your head to a principal or to someone about a situation within the program? You know, cause normally the, you, you know, I would come to you, you know, the, the normal chain would be, I would come to you. We would talk about it. Right. But what situation would you justify where someone would go above your head and 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 bring bring a situation up? Yeah, well, and you know, we talk about that as a as a principal, as an AD, as a head coach. You know, you talk about chain of command and expectation. Uh, as a servant leader, you know, your job is really to serve. Uh, you really flip the, uh, you know, you flip this the organizational chart, so to speak. And you're actually at the bottom supporting everybody going up. Now, at the end of the day, the buck still stops with you. 
But um, from a servant leadership mindset, it's not about this power trip and you're on the top. But but from a communication standpoint, yes, you still need to have a chain of command with your communication lines. Uh, and we always talk as, a, as an AD always said, if a parent came to me and said, I want to make this complaint about Coach Perkins. Well, my first question would be, well, have you talked to Coach Perkins yet? You know, and if not, then I need to send you to please talk with Coach Perkins about this first. And if you're still not satisfied, then then you can come talk to me. And at that point, we may all together, we may all get together and have a conversation. So, um, you know, that assistant coach, I would still want them to be able to try to address things if they felt like something wasn't being handled properly as best they could in the situation, handle it, addressing it up through the head coach and following. And if they still weren't comfortable, then go up to the athletic director. And if they still, you know, go up the chain of command, so to speak, to the principal. But I do think there's going to be situations in a, it's safety. If safety's ever uh, involved, you know, where you really truly are, are worried that somebody's going to get hurt or somebody, you know, there's a drill they're doing and they're not, they're putting, you know, it's it's a football drill or what, I don't know, a basketball drill. And they're putting a, a, a big kid versus a little kid and somebody really might get hurt. They're not, this drill should be more evenly matched. Uh, that's part of our job as coaches. Um, something along those lines where somebody could get hurt. I think you've got a duty to, you know, if you've said something to the coach and he still continues to run this drill, it may be time for me to go above his head a little bit and make sure that we, our safety is involved. Uh, certainly anytime there might be something, if we find out there's some legal situation um, that you just say I, that something's not right here. I don't know what it is. Uh, but something I don't think is legally right. Something's going on that shouldn't be happening, whatever that could be, you know, and uh, and I think that would be a time when obviously you need to be able to go above his head, so to speak, or her head and go to higher authority figures to talk about what may or may not be happening in the program. Let me ask you to put on your AD hat for a little bit now. Okay. All right. So again, the head coach has loyalty to the athletic director, principal, and the school. Right. Uh, so again, how would you, as an athletic director, handle the scenario? It's a tough season. You know, coach is really struggling, and right. he knows his job could be in jeopardy. So he's going to cast blame and say, "Well, the athletic director gives all the money to football. You know, football gets whatever they want." And, you know, I don't get to do, I get bad times to practice. My kids, you know, we don't have the right basketball. We don't have the right shoes, equipment. And, right. and, and obviously you hear it because you're the athletic director, you're connected. How do you handle that within your, you know, your scope? Right. Well, and I think that's one of those things that, again, you, you need to do as much work as you can on the front end as an athletic director when you're having your meetings with your coaches and making sure they understand we're emphasizing all the sports teams that we have in our, you know, our school. And, and the whole purpose of education based athletics is just to be an extension of the school day in the classroom. And so we want all the sports to be successful, certainly. Uh, I think that when you get into that situation, with a coach who's disgruntled and, and uh, you know, we've always had a mantra, you know, no excuses, no explanations. I mean, we, we would sit down with the coach and, and say, look, uh, I understand your frustration. It was a tough season. Um, you know, things didn't go as well as you'd like. And, uh, and you know, and we, we do need to get this turned around. I mean, you're, you're stressing about it. And obviously we're hearing about it. And because what will happen, obviously you, you hear from parents and, 
and and uh, folks who aren't happy about the direction of the program, and then and then uh, it may come from administration. We need, or we is it time to go in a different direction, kind of thing, you know, with the program? Where are we going? It's been kind of stagnant, or it seems to be dropping off, and it doesn't seem to be turning around. So I think you would sit down with that, uh, and that's part of your evaluation. You know, one of the things as an athletic director I always did at the early meetings was showed them the evaluation rubric to let them know what they were going to be evaluated on head coaches and assistant coaches and um, the athletic director and, and maybe the principal would be involved with the head coach uh, evaluation and then the head coach would assist the uh, the maybe the assistant ADs and the AD with the assistant coaches evaluation because I felt like the head coach had more more hands-on time with the assistants to know exactly what they were putting into the program but I think when you address that early on then they know what to expect and then uh, you can inspect what you expect and you can you know observe and you can go to practices and you can see them in competitions and um, you can you know you can certainly talk to the student athletes and the assistant coaches and you get a feel for what's really going on in the program and and if you're observant you'll see what's going on you'll have a pretty good idea about it yourself but i think in that situation you'll be talking to the that coach and talking to them about um, you know, plans. I've had a couple coaches through the years where we've had to kind of almost put them on an action plan like a teacher and say, look, if you want to remain the head coach and if you want to get better, these are steps that we need to see. You know, I need to see um, organization in your practice. I need a practice plan. I need to know that you've attended some coaches clinics and, and are uh, studying and, and getting better. I need to see that you've passed some of these uh, National Federation High School Sports uh, coaches courses and get some more training and some of that maybe we haven't done a good enough job supporting that coach we have to see we have to look at that and say what could we have done better um and then how much time are you putting in what are you doing in a year you know we create a year-round program have you given kids opportunity to do something in off season for workouts and skill development uh are you doing anything during the summer during the off season that way in terms of playing and comp competing and getting better going to camp uh going to team camps and things like that so I think those would be conversations I would have as athletic director to try to first help the coach salvage uh, their opportunity. And then certainly, you know, I have had a couple of times during my career where we had to go in a different direction because it just wasn't the coach wasn't willing to do the extras or, or what was what was needed on the action plan to to continue in that role. It's great. Communication is just so, so big. Going as you're the athletic director and your relationship with your head basketball coach, do you want that communication on a weekly, daily basis? Do you want to just hear when problems are about to surface from a parent, a disgruntled player? Obviously, an athletic director has many sports, many coaches. You know, what advice do you give that head coach? on that communication going up the lane. Right. Yeah. Well, certainly. And I think as at your, your bigger schools, you know, the 4A schools like Chapel Hill, where you have so many sports teams, uh, you may not see every coach every day. You may not see every coach's practice each, you know, maybe on a weekly basis, but not every day for sure. And so I do think you, you establish early on, you know, that no surprises mentality. Say, so look, we, nobody likes surprises. I would rather hear bad news uh, ahead of time and be able to kind of come up, you know, let's look at how we can address it uh, and, and um, then be surprised by it, and especially when it's, you know, a disgruntled parent, because sometimes 
a disgruntled parent doesn't always follow a chain of command and come to see you the next day. They may talk to the board of education member uh, across the back uh, fence before they come to see you, you know, and, and sometimes things will go down. It'll come from the board of ed to the superintendent, to the principal, to the athletic director. And we've got this problem with this coach and this player and this parent, you know, versus the other way where the parent actually tried to go to the coach and talk to him and address the situation. So I feel like when there's, when there's um, surprises out there or there's, there's potential for, uh bad news let's go ahead and get that to me as early as you can and let's try to go ahead and get on the line with that parent and set up an appointment to meet and see if we can uh you know kind of address it before it gets worse yeah i think you have a wonderful way and your coaches working for you would feel insulated and feel open enough to talk to you and you know it always brings up the old rick majerus line that his next coaching job would be at an orphanage, you know, that there'll be no parents around. <laughs> right. You know, it's amazing. Um, you know, we, Michael, our son is seven and we're playing upward basketball at our church and, you know, and he's on the, the kindergarten through second grade team. And then our daughter, Tally Grace is nine and she's on the third and fourth grade team. And then Michael plays up too. He plays on both, but it's amazing the difference in kindergarten and second grade, they don't keep score. And everybody's happy and everything's wonderful. But then in third and fourth, we keep score. And oh my goodness, you know, and, and we're in church. <laughs> but man, it gets uh, kind of heated sometimes, you know, it gets competitive. You keep that score, that scoreboard goes on and everything, everything changes, you know. Todd, one of the things I always suggested and thought and we brought up previously is once your season's over, quote, the off season begins. And we talked a lot about things you could do for your own mental health, physical health, your staff. But one of the things I always felt you should do is be the go-to guy. You should go to the spring sports, go to the arts, get in the community, volunteer, have your kids be seen, work on relationships. But as an AD, I had a tough season, you know, and the parents are starting to chirp. How much does that come into it for the AD and principal that, yeah, I'm still a really good family guy. I support all the other things. Does that come into it and maybe help a coach get that extra year? Well, maybe so. I think I think so. You know, certainly it, at the end of the day, it's uh, education-based athletics. It's about a school community. It's about building relationships, um, you know, and – and providing an opportunity. So if you're supportive and you're there, you're, you're cheering for everybody else and you're a team player. Uh, and I think what will happen in those situations when you have a tough year, it's amazing how many times the other coaches rally around you, you know, because they're like, man, you know, Todd's been supporting us all these years and he's done a pretty good job. And man, he's had a tough year this year, you know, and, um, and he's really down and the parents are on him. Uh, and we got to support him. He's always come and support us. And I, I think that that part of it, when you have all your coaches that are supporting each other and it builds more of a, a synergy and a family, uh, you really are a team. And uh, and then you just kind of support each other and you can, you can help each other get through those tough times. And as a coach, we know there's going to be a bad season. I mean, you're not going to win them all. You know, we we had a great run in Chapel Hill. Um but the first year, it wasn't it wasn't tremendous. You know, we had to go through those growing pains, and then we got it rolling pretty good. But uh, but 
I think you have to do, I think that helps, you know, and as an AD, yeah, you see that because you know the relationships and you see that person's always willing to help at the, hey, they're there at the game, support the team. And then all of a sudden they're pitching in at halftime in concessions because we needed somebody else to fill in or, you know, somebody needed to go take the drinks to the officials at halftime. So that, that coach just did it because he was there and he's willing to do it. She's willing to do it. Um, somebody who was supposed to sell tickets didn't show up and boom, they're there. So they will to jump in for a few minutes and help us there. So I think those things do help as an AD. You say, you know, that um, at the end of the day, you still got to, you still got to evaluate them on the rubric and on their season and how they did. But somewhere on that rubric, there is some other pieces, you know, some notes, some things where you can kind of throw in a little extra. Hey, this, this, this guy or this lady is a, a really good team player. You know, and I think that helps our overall athletic department. Todd, how did you how do you navigate the situation, especially at a smaller school where you have athletes playing multiple sports? They're, they're playing basketball in the fall. They're playing maybe baseball in the spring. Maybe they played football or they're running track or something. And you've got coaches who are asking for time demands in their sport from those athletes. So how do you I guess how do you navigate that and kind of negotiate that, especially if one coach says, you know, I need you at, at workouts when that player is, you know, already in a sport for the, for the season, but yeah. that co- coach for the next season wants that player there, you know, working out or, or, or doing activities. Right. Yeah, certainly. And, I, and it happens everywhere, but, uh, you know, I've, it, like I said, I've been at 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, I've been at all of them. And, you know, it's more prevalent in the, in the 1A and, and even the 2A where you're in a sm- smaller rural type school and so your best athlete there needs to play everything. You know, um, you do get more in the 3A and 4A just because of numbers. You know, you have more specialization uh, and you still have some multiple sport athletes and you still encourage that. Never told a kid not to play a sport, would never do that and, and tell our coaches I don't expect them to do that either. Um, but, you know, certainly we know certain kids are going to play multiple sports and certain kids are going to be focused on you know, or maybe early on as a freshman, they may play uh, multiple sports or even maybe their sophomore year. But then once they start being recruited, uh, sophomore, junior year, they, they start specializing a lot of times, you know. Uh, and nowadays it's getting even younger because I know they're getting recruited earlier and, and they're already with, with all the club things, they're starting to specialize and get focused on certain sports earlier early, at an earlier age. But I think in a small school, you have to have that conversation with your coaches and say, look, we have to share athletes. You have to understand, like, our best student athletes have to play everything. We, if they want to, we, we want them to. We want to encourage that. We've got to be supportive of that as our coaching staff. One of the things we always said was the sport that's in season takes priority. You know, so if they're in season, that's the priority. The, the, second, the sport that's not in season, that's an off-season workout or a preseason workout or a postseason workout, however you want to – term that, you know, that would be secondary to the end season. And we also have to keep in mind that we don't want somebody to get hurt during an off-season workout, uh, and that hurts them from playing in their in, during their season, and it hurts our team from having a chance to be successful during our season. So I think if we can work in that place of being respectful of each other in that way of sharing the student-athlete, I've seen I've been at places where it hasn't worked as well and it, it got right ugly between the coaches and that's never good. That's a, a bad situation where you have to step in and put some parameters on things because the coaches themselves can't work as well together as they should be able to. I've had it work other places. We had a young man at East Carter at 
um, who played seven different sports. It was unbelievable. He played everything, you know. He ended up being the NCHSAA Male uh, Athlete of the Year a couple years ago, Bo Studebaker. He was three-time uh, defending state champion wrestler. He was a power forward on the basketball team, and he was a quarterback. And then, of course, he played – he made the golf state playoffs, tennis, and, and ran track and field. So he just did it all, you know. And um, but that took all those coaches having communication and understanding because he's going to miss this practice to be at this event, and that's going to have to be okay, you know. And those are kind of things that you had a really good staff of coaches who were willing to work for that young man to have those opportunities. So I know it can work, but um, again, sometimes we, I know coaches, you know, everybody's competitive and you want your best, and but I think you have to be fair to those kids too um and and understand when they're in season that does have to take priority coach let me ask you keep your ad hat on okay. and you have a boys basketball opening and before we get to questions and how you're going to check references and you know this is the off season uh, high school coaches are looking to make a move to the next job or the better job, assistant coaches are wanting to become head coaches. As an athletic director or principal, what are your non-negotiables that you're looking for? Right. Well, that's a, well first, if I've got a basketball opening, I'm calling Coach P, see if he's available, right? But, uh, but yeah, you know, one of those things we've had as a principal, we hired several new teachers and new coaches this past year, and it was just one of those years where we had some turnover from uh, – retirements and we had a couple of teachers who moved away just you know got married and and different reasons you know just life stuff nothing bad but we had some openings and we hired and one of the things we were really looking at we met as a committee and talked about uh leadership was a big piece for us we're trying to make sure that uh who we hire and in every teaching position and every coaching position fits into our culture uh, we want to make sure that our culture is that of excellence and and leadership and community service and servant leaders. I mean, servant, you know, uh, servant coaches, uh, servant leaders throughout the building. Um, experience was a part of that, but it didn't have to be. But when we were looking at resume, we were looking for folks who had opportunities to be in a leadership capacity, whether it was a, a coach and they'd been a head coach or if not, if they'd been an assistant coach, had been a coordinator or had they had more of a, a bigger role in running the summer program or, or doing something along those lines. And teachers, we were looking for folks who'd been on leadership teams or school improvement teams or uh, department chairs or things like that. So those, those were important to us certainly um, as we, as we went through the candidates and, but we were just looking for people who were going to be the right fit with our culture and what we're trying to, you know, sometimes addition by subtraction, sometimes you, you lose folks in there, there, there's a negative energy to them and that's that's taken away you know from what we're trying to do and and so um, and then sometimes you have to avoid certain people who you feel like don't bring the right energy or if it's a me mentality you know statements they use during the interview if it's about me 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 versus we uh, and and us you know uh, you, you can pick up on it a little bit so you're looking at resumes and how far do you expand that circle? Most people, when they list references, they're going to say glowing things about the candidate. How yeah. far do you expand that circle? Do you call other ADs or colleagues, people you know, and maybe 
before you get to the candidate, what questions are you asking while you're trying to still dwindle and see who you're going to interview? Right. That's a great question, Jeff. And, and, you know, I think most of the time you have your questions already scripted. Some of that's provided by the district. Some of that you have your uh, at the school level or the athletic department level uh, already kind of created. And then you may have a few extra things that you meet as a committee. And is there anything else we need that's important for this position or this role or this particular coaching position uh, that we need to make sure we kind of address during the questions? And then you may come up with a couple extra questions to ask. Um, and then there's sometimes when the candidates will give answers and that will obviously lead you to another question that you think I need to also follow up with this. So that, that always helps. I do think, uh, when calling references, you know, most of the time folks who list, uh, three or four or five names, those are people they know pretty well that, uh, are going to give them a good reference or they probably wouldn't list their name down, you know? So I think when you really get into it, you do kind of go a little bit deeper than that. You look and see, well, who else might they have played? Who else would know them? Who I might know? Uh, and we have a common uh, bond there, and I could I could kind of call them and just say, what do you know about this person? Um, you know, and, and I think that that does help sometimes because you get another, and, and especially when you've called those references and all those were good and checked out, everybody Coach P listed said glowing things about him. But then I call a couple other people that I know, you know, may, may have coached against Coach P. Let's see what they say about him, you know. And uh, when they when they also, those boxes also checked, then that makes me feel better about it because I'm like, okay, and he didn't list them, but they had good things to say about him too. So tell me what was your best question, not asked by the district, that you would ask a potential head coach, something that, you know, they didn't list, but it's your go-to question during the interview that's going to reveal either a lot about your leadership dynamic or their teaching or their commitment. Do you have that one question? You know, Jeff, as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking through our, our list and, um, you know, I, I keep going back to, it's funny, but uh, through the years, we had a, a lot of different kids who went and played college basketball and uh, and lots of different college coaches came through and asking different questions about the kid. And I think I'll come back kind of to your question, but what came to my mind as you were asking, one of the coaches one time was asking me about a kid and he said, I got one more question for you, coach. And they'd ask about his grades and his character and his work ethic and and um, obviously his, his skill set and his talent and where I thought he could play and could he defend the guy on the wing and all these different things. And then he finally said, well, coach, if you had a daughter, would you let your daughter date him? You know, and I thought that was probably the best question that he asked because, you know, that's going to tell a lot about his character if I was going to answer yes to that or not. So, um, but I, I, no, I don't know if we have a go-to question uh, with ter terms of our leadership uh, culture. I know it's a big part of all of our questions. We really look, we're kind of listening for that as part of the answer. Um, what I really like, uh, to be honest with you, Jeff, that I find out more about is what questions do they ask? You know, when the candidates are there, I tell our, let's see who's, who's the most prepared, who comes in most prepared, you know, how to, I mean, it's, it's just not just about what you wear for an interview, but do you bring a portfolio? Do you uh, have anything that you've a Prezi or any kind of presentation that you, you've got for us? Uh, but what questions do you ask? Because that tells me you've done your homework. If you've got some thought, thoughtful questions that are 
along the lines of thinking how would they fit into our organization. They've learned a little bit about our organization. And um, th those are probably the ones who are most impressive to me. And, and that helps me get a better gauge of if they're going to really fit in well into what we're doing at our school. That's great. I mean, it's the other side of the table and you touched on so many relevant points of the dress, the presentation, and then doing your homework for that job just because it's a successful program or, you know, you wanted to change the scenery, but to really do in-depth homework and to study the principal, the AD, the team and players. And uh, that, that does give great advice to people that are hopefully looking for that next step. Right. Right. So Todd, I want you to imagine we're sitting in our fifth quarter spot. Um, okay. I can't remember which ones we went to. I know we we had a couple of them, but I want you to imagine you're sitting there and a, a young coach walks in and sits down and says, hey, I'm, I'm looking to go into coaching. What are the two or three things that you would tell that, that young coach about what you've learned on your journey? Yeah, right. And, and we've all been that young coach who wanted to get a start and, uh, you know, Certainly the same advice uh, Dean Smith gave me when I asked him, like, what, what could I do to become a coach and, you know, work camps. It's all about relationships The more people you can meet, um, you know, be willing to take whatever job is, you know, whatever job will give you that start and get your foot in the door. And that might be in a volunteer assistant coach. It might be a JV coach, uh, uh, you know, whatever position it is. And, uh, but, but he always said to go, you know, find someone who is uh, one of the best in it and go and try to get under them and mentor, you know, have that be your mentor, learn from them. Um, but, but working camps was a big part of it because it was all about building relationships, getting that experience and, and then having somebody who could go to bat for you. We, you know, we had uh, a young coach when coach P and I were at Chapel Hill uh, Gus Fraley, who came to us, who was a, a young guy uh, going to Carolina and wanted to get into coaching and came to us and talking about wanting to get into coaching. Um, and man, just such a dynamic, young uh, energy, passion, student of the game, a great relationship with kids and and then learn whatever skills he didn't have if he could pick it up and uh, worked his way from helping out with the JVs and, and helping out with the varsity and then a varsity assistant. And then, you know, he left us and got into the college ranks and now he's assist, uh, assistant coach at Old Dominion. So, I mean, and, and I have no doubt in my mind, Gus Fraley will be a head uh, division one college basketball coach one day, no doubt about it. And, uh, but he had that willingness to do whatever it took mentality. When he came to us, I'll do anything. I'll be whatever you need me to be, um, you know, and he was at everything. He was so committed. He was so loyal, uh, just would come to all the off-season workouts and uh, was there. And then once he was there, man, he was just part of us. I mean, it was no different. Uh, he could, you know, that was the great thing about Chapel Hill. Once you once you have a program like that that's going really well, you know, you we didn't have – one head coach, we had three or four head coaches. Everybody on our staff was was a head coach, you know? And if I was AD and I was at a soccer match, well, the after-school workout still went on and Layson ran it or, or Gus ran it or Vic ran it. And uh, it was no different than if I was there, you know? And um, so that's, that's just how 
how things went. But yeah, young coaches, be willing to do whatever it takes. Um, know that it's a lot of work. Know that, uh, you know, and, and get with some work camps and get with somebody who you can really learn from, uh, who can be a mentor to you. But build as many relationships with you as you can, because this game is all about relationships. So, okay, last last question: What was on the grill this weekend? What what was served at the Morgan household uh, this <laughs> this weekend? What's what was the what was the go to item on the grill? Wow, go to item on the grill. You know, um, Courtney did a little salmon uh, on on a salad this week, so we 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 did pretty good this week at the Morgan house. You know, um, but. Uh, and then, and then it was, of course, uh, goldfish and Gatorade is the go-to for the upward basketball team. So that was uh, we had a we had a little bit of that, and and uh, Michael has his Gatorade on the golf course too. So you know we we did all right. But salmon on the grill was probably the best uh, the best for the weekend. Coach, I have one last question for you. Um, Layson Perkins Circle is not just Carolina, United States; it's worldwide. Cool. He has so many people that are just fans, not only because of pick and roll or the grill. Maybe share just one funny story that uh, our listeners would really enjoy about Layson. Oh, man. I, Layson is the best. And I'll tell you, we go way back. Like you said, we, we took a trip years ago to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to a Nike clinic and had the best time. And we just were basketball junkies and just stayed up all night talking basketball and drawing up plays. Um, and, uh, but that's how, that's how it always has been. And whenever we share things and the, the best time of my life was the, the years we spent together at Chapel Hill, because we would go to lunch every day. And it was basically, I was learning, picking his brain every day. We're, and we're drawing up plays on the napkins and, uh, moving the salt shakers around, you know, like Rick Majerus, I guess. And, uh, but we were that every day, it was that every day. So, um, you know, I, I um, there's so many stories. There are probably some good ones. I think we a couple of things come to mind. And and one, we were coming back from uh, we had the the regional. Um, we were fortunate to make a run to the regionals and down in Fayetteville with our Chapel Hill uh, Tigers. And uh, of course, on the way back on the bus, we we won a, a hard fought game over Southern Lee to make it to the regional finals. We were playing South Central in the regional finals. Uh, Chris Cherry's team and um, great coach. But uh, the, the kids were all imitating all of us on the bus. And so it was just, I, I, can't, I can't even do it justice, but they were all imitating Coach P. And, uh, you know, if, if we lost a game, it was never we lost. We just ran out of time. And, and it, to hear the kids imitate Coach P was, was probably the best. And, uh, but they, they had us all down pat pretty good. You know, they, our whole staff, they could, they could nail us pretty good on, on the imitations. And uh, they say imitations is a serious form of flattery. So, uh, we, we took that, we, we thought that was pretty cool. And, um, Todd, I, I actually thought you were going to tell the Navy SEAL story. Well, I was, that, I was hoping was, you were, you would tell that one. That was the other one on my mind was, you know, we had a young man, uh, who I won't name any names, but, uh, he, he was, a, a talented young man and a, and a hard, uh, you know, a good basketball player, but, uh, some, you know, sometimes basketball players aren't, aren't the, sharpest tools in the shed you know and uh they, they it takes a little work we got to stay with them but anyway coach p one day was going off and talking and he, uh, motivating the team and and he brought up a uh, navy seals quote you know and he's talking about the navy seal and the navy seal and the navy seal and finally this one young man raised his hands like coach i just don't understand what the seal 
how do you keep the ball on his nose? I mean, I, I, the, the, the kid was thinking he was talking about like a seal in the circus or something. He had no idea what Coach P was talking about with the Navy SEALs. And uh, we all just rolled. We were like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> but, uh, no, but Coach, this has been just wonderful. I think our listeners are going to pull out a pen and paper. You've given so many nuggets that – they're going to write down, they're going to build relationships, touch on loyalty with their staff, their plan. Uh, this has been just so much fun for me to have you both together sharing stories and learning. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Coach P. Obviously, it's been great for me too. I've learned tonight and uh, will continue to learn, especially anytime around you guys. But yeah, Coach P, he's he's worldwide and he, he you know, and uh just just a wealth of knowledge and such a great person um one of my best friends so well todd you opened so many doors you know you opened so many doors for me just you know giving me that that trust and and then just you know again uh just being a part of that staff i mean those are some special special years special memories just the you know the the battles that we had and, and knowing how you know how close we were so many times and twice a, a guy named isaiah hicks stood in our way and we just could not get past uh get past that one but uh but no it's just uh i i treasure you as a friend and and, and as a and um you know as a, as a mentor i mean you you taught me how to how to do certain things in a program which you know i i've tried to to carry on as a head coach and yeah you're you know your tree is your coaching tree with with me and and coach you know coach lee at hillside and of course now uh coach seymour there at, at jones county with you it's just right. uh it just speaks to to what you know how you mentor you know the coaches on your staff well thank you i appreciate that that's uh kind words i really do appreciate it and thanks for the opportunity to be with you guys tonight Okay, folks, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to, to listen to this podcast. And, and again, if you would uh, you know, help us by sharing this podcast with your friends or with others, uh, by rating us and reviewing us on, uh, on the web, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, again, thank you for uh, taking time to be here, and we'll connect with you again uh, on a future episode.